going to spare your ears this week and not sing Jesus Loves the Little Children, but you know the song. If you don't, Google it. Anyway, Jesus loves all people, regardless of their ethnic backgrounds. But sometimes we need to reach out into areas where we may not feel comfortable. Today we'll be talking about specialized ethnic ministries, then another iPod suggestion of the week, and a tech tip to avoid spam. Lutherans aren't just German and a few Scandinavians anymore. We came from all six populated continents, not just Europe, and consequently each cultural group has specific needs that may be unfamiliar to many seminarians. So what do we do to get the gospel to those people? Today we have Reverend Johannes Mengsteb, Mission Facilitator for New African Immigrants and Urban Missions, and Director of the Ethnic Immigrant Institute of Theology. Welcome. Thank you. So could you begin with a history of the Ethnic Immigrant Institute of Theology? Well, the uh, the Ethnic Immigrant Institute of Theology began out of the uh, mission needs of the African immigrants. Uh, this is about uh, eight years ago, and the Africans uh, formed a committee to uh, organize to um, uh, come up with a uh, concept paper for a, an institute to train the African immigrants who were starting uh, congregations uh, throughout North America. And uh, since the medium uh, were uh, was to be English. Um, this, uh, when we presented it to Concordia Seminary, the seminary asked us if this could be open to other ethnic groups, and uh, we uh, we welcomed it. And uh, as a result, uh, uh, the uh, the name Ethnic Immigrant Institute of Theology was given to it. Um, however, the uh, main reason why. We wanted to start this was not just to have an institute for immigrants, but to uh, to help a uh, church planting movement in North America, mm-hmm. uh, since this has become a growing mission field in which the traditional church is not um, equipped and capable of reaching out to the various ethnic groups. And one way that we thought we could uh, be uh, effective and impactful in the new uh, emerging communities is by... Um, treating each community as a mission field and uh, uh, looking from ground up uh, to train, raise and train and also deploy uh, leaders from those various ethnic groups, and that has really become an effective tool for us. How did you get involved with the, the program? Were you there from the beginning? I, I was there from the beginning. Um, in, in fact, um, uh, ten, it was exactly 10 years ago this month that we um, we uh, organized the African Immigrant uh, Ministry Task Force, and I was uh, the field counselor for the African Immigrant Ministry then uh, while serving the Southeastern District as a missionary at large to African immigrants. Um, and uh, uh, and uh, at that time, when I was in, in D.C., um, I realized that um, uh, because of the shortage of pastors, we will not be able to reach out to all the African immigrant groups. I was the only rostered LCMS African immigrant pastor who was active in African immigrant ministry. So early on, I realized that uh, we have to do it differently and we have to raise uh, leaders from the communities that we are going to uh, to um, to be involved with. Um, um, so that whole concept began in, in Washington, D.C., in my ministry, there as a missionary at large, and that, of course, uh, grew into a national movement. 
So could you tell us more about the structure and format of the Institute? The structure, um, it is, um, uh, this is one of the uh, truly um, uh, um, uh, um, uh, partnership that has formed between the seminary and the Board for Mission Services to, uh, uh, to uh, really support and also encourage a program that's going to impact both theological education and church planting. Um, I am uh, a uh, called uh, uh, member of the Board for Mission Services uh, in North American Missions, um, and my office has been uh, uh, directing uh, the uh, Ethnic Immigrant Institute of Theology uh, on behalf of Concordia Seminary as well. Um, structurally, what we have done was uh, we did uh, we uh, created a, an advisory council that is um, uh, representatives from the seminary as well as from the various ethnic uh, uh, groups, um, and this um, uh, this have been uh, helping us uh, um, design the program, evaluate the program, and also uh, make suggestions to the seminary as far as administrative. Uh, uh, decisions are concerned. Um, at the seminary, I, I know, uh, you know we have, I have been relating to the uh, uh, Vice President for Academic uh, uh, Affairs, um, Dr. Andrew Barthelt, uh, but now there is also a person who is, um, who is in charge of distance education, uh, uh, which is uh, Dr. Uh, Wallenberg, David Wallenberg. So I work with them um, uh, administratively. There are other supporting uh, uh, structures um, that are is, uh, extremely essential for EILT, and that is the technology side of it. And Dr. Tony Cook, uh, who has his PhD in distance education, is uh, in charge of it. He is helping us design the program uh, and also design the web uh, site uh, that is going to uh, to uh, be the platform that we use for the for the learning. Uh, so uh, Dr. Tony Cook and his uh, uh, student assistants are the ones also that are helping us. What is the, or could you describe the curriculum and the requirements for the institute for those who are going through it? Yeah. The, the curriculum uh, is, um, uh, we have, it's a 15 course uh, curriculum and also three seminars. These are one week uh, seminars. Now, when um, we conceived the, uh, the curriculum for EIIT, from the beginning, we said that uh, every course is going to be interdisciplinary, which means, um, uh, if uh, you may know, that in, in theology there are four disciplines, uh, the practical theology, systematic theology, exegetical, as well as historical theology. Um, and uh, if you go to a traditional seminary, uh, you will have a department teaching courses in those specific areas, and uh, in most cases, um, each um, each um, discipline deals with its own discipline, and uh, they don't interact as much. But in EIT, what we said, since this is a very condensed program, uh, we have no room to uh, uh, to divide those. But we also felt that it's, it's wise to uh, uh, let the uh, disciplines interact, so that people, when they are studying systematic theology, uh, they would know where this comes from. Uh, so they will go into the scriptures and, and deal with the scripture and also ask the very vital question, which is, what does this mean for my ministry today? 
so that they are not just studying it for its own sake, but it will also have a direct implication as to to their um, um, to their ministry in that in that context in that given context. So we wanted the courses to be interdisciplinary. The other thing is also uh, we wanted the courses to be contextually sensitive. So we are not developing these people to just be pastors in one given context, but what we are doing is we are helping them to ask the right questions so that they will be attuned to the needs of the context. And um, in fact, um, my uh, my feeling is that um, every seminary uh, uh, course needs to run that way so that the students are always attuned to the needs of the the, the, the community and the context where God places them and they will develop those skills so wherever in whichever community they go they will be able to uh, to uh, develop the ears and the eyes that are necessary to interact with the, with the every given context so those two have been very important the other the third uh, component to this is uh, we said that it is also going to be faithful uh, to our doctrine and to our confessions. So we want a theological education that's going to really form these uh, candidates to become faithful pastors in our church that are, go- that are going to willingly and joyfully walk with us so that as a church body will have a united church uh, that's going to, um, uh, to be uh, able uh, to proclaim the gospel um, unadulterated. So this was created specifically for church plants, or are there other situations uh, where you have people coming to the institute for existing uh, congregations? Um, well, it's um, this is uh, this is of course um, uh, very very um, um, attuned to the needs of uh, uh, the church planting movement. Um, however, there is no reason why a um, a, uh, an existing congregation uh, would not be able to uh, to use such a program, even though that has not been our emphasis. However, most of the students that came uh, were already leading groups of people. Uh, just remember, we started the African Immigrant Ministry um, um, as an organization in 1996. And from 1996 until uh, the last uh, two and a half years ago, uh, we have been raising leaders and starting congregations. We have uh, almost 100 congregations working with African immigrants uh, since the 1996. Um, so these people, uh, many of them, uh, have been leading uh, groups of 50, um, uh, 50 to 100 uh, people um, uh, before they came into the program. So. Even they are people who are leading congregations. So in that respect, yeah, it can serve our existing congregations that um, that need a, that need a pastor. But that is not our emphasis. Our emphasis has been uh, trying to address the leadership needs of those that we just started since '96, and also to help us set up a program that's going to help us to plant more congregations. What kind of feedback have you received about the EIIT? Um, feedback from uh, from students, from districts and congregations. Uh, sure. Um, well, uh, you know, it's um, um, it has been welcomed by our districts. In fact, um, 
when we started uh, EIIT, um, it's a tuition-based program, even though the Board for Mission Services does support uh, the administrative side of it. Um, of course, I am uh, paid um, uh, by the Board for Mission Services, and also my assistant helps me in the um, admissions uh, process. And, um, there is almost a quarter of a million dollars that is generated by t- through tuition in this program, and all that is supported by our congregations and districts. Uh, that in itself is a great affirmation, because they wouldn't invest if they didn't think that the program was serving their needs. Absolutely. So that is that is I mean that's a, a very concrete affirmation and positive feedback that we have gotten from our, our con- uh, congregations and districts. In fact, um, we have a scholarship, a small scholarship fund, uh, and um, uh, we need people to assist us with that. And the more the more we have more students, we will need more people to help us. However, so far, uh, the asking has not been as great as we anticipated it would be. Um, so it's a program that's, um, that's really appreciated by our congregations. I also get feedback from our mentors and pastors and, and um, uh, in fact, uh, the kinds of things that they say, this is the greatest thing that has happened for our church. Um, so they really think that this is helping us to penetrate into the ethnic um, uh, the uh, uh, minority communities and um, and this is uh, one of the greatest things that has happened to us the students I mean they are the most appreciative uh, people they um, um, even though quite a large number of them are bivocational they earn their living working somewhere else and do ministry on the side mm-hmm. as well as do their studies they feel honored that the church would uh, really um, be interested in them, in their theological development, and provide a, an educational process that's going to come to them rather than they having to come uh, to the church. Um, and also the districts, they appreciate this because um, um, uh, to uh, to do church planting the traditional route, um, it costs um, uh, it costs a million to three million dollars uh, per congregation. Uh, in uh, in this um, uh, strategy, uh, it's not costing even uh, a fraction of that. Um, so for districts, also instead of being uh, confined by the amount of dollars that they they can get, they are able to free themselves and plant as many congregations as they could. Uh, in this uh, ethnic communities. So do you have any interesting stories or experiences you'd like to share? Uh, yeah, well, I a um, uh, few months ago, uh, in fact, last fall, um, our uh, communication department had an article on um, on uh, the Harvest, uh, Harvest News. This is the publication that comes from, uh, from uh, the... Um, Board for Mission Services, and there are two stories in there uh, that um, that tell that really uh, tell the story for of EIT, and one of them is a um, um, uh, Albanian couple, husband and wife, who are in EIT. Uh, the the wife is uh, uh, to be uh, training to become a deaconess, and the husband uh, in the pastoral track in EIT. 
um, what they have done is they uh, they have uh, they are working as a team in the Albanian community in um, in Philadelphia um, and are making great impact. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of people are being served um, by those two people and. And there is that story, and people can get it from our office. Um, it's a very compelling story. It's, uh, it's not lengthy, but a very compelling story. Um, so if people want more information about the Ethnic Immigrant Institute of Theology, where would you direct them? Well, um, they, can, uh, they can call my office. Uh, in fact, uh, that's where uh, they would get uh, uh, the application. Uh, if they uh, if they have someone that they would like to enroll in the program, um, they could also ask the distance education office at the Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. They can also uh, uh, check the website, the uh, Concordia Seminary website. There is a section, a page on the Ethnic Immigrant Institute of Theology. They can also email me. If um, uh, and it is my first name, Johannes uh, Period Mengistab at lcms.org. I would also be more than happy to send them our brochures and um, and answer any questions that they may have. Okay. So, uh, what's next for you and the EIT? Is there anything new coming up on the horizon? Um, I at uh, this uh, what is coming up in the horizon is uh, we we want to strengthen EIT so we are going through a curriculum review so um, uh, that's major for this year um, as we review the curriculum I'm sure we might find some gaps in the program that we'll need to to adjust um, but the next um, is uh, we want to uh, uh, we want to uh, make this a um, uh, available to our international partners as well. We have a group in Kenya, and we are very closely watching how that program runs. Uh, the Kenyan students are uh, um, uh, um, taking classes with our students here in the U.S. since this is distance education. So we are monitoring that and uh, see, uh, see, uh, trying to see how that works and uh, and learn as much as we can. Um, before we uh, could say that we could make this available internationally. But I think uh, that is one of the things that I hope to do. But my, my um, position is shifting a little bit, so that, uh, that will also impact it. Uh, I'm uh, directing the new church development uh, for, our, um, for our church and uh, from the Board for Mission Services, which implies that uh, we also need to look into distance education for a uh, planting churches in the suburbias and in the urban communities, uh, uh, regardless of the ethnic uh, makeup of the communities. Uh, so that will be uh, the next in the horizon. My prayer is that we will be able to open such a program to every uh, member of our church, uh, of our church uh, for a church planting purposes. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, I, I no at this point I don't think so. I think uh, I do appreciate uh, you giving me the opportunity to uh, share the story of the Ethnic Immigrant Institute of Theology. It is a program that has been dear to my heart because I I am convinced of the potential of this program to make a significant contribution to the mission movement of our church body. Um, so I uh, hope that, um, uh, that our listeners will. Uh, 
will support us, uh, especially in their in prayers. We need your prayers. But if um, you could support us um, uh, financially, um, I'm sure the seminar will appreciate that. So will the Board for Mission Services so that we can expand this and include more people in the program. Okay. Well, thank you for your time. You're very welcome. God be with you. And God be with you, too. And now it's time for the Product, product Suggestion of the, the week. Week, week. Today, more on iPods. Yes, I'm in a rut with all this iPod stuff, but this is a podcast, so sue me. Even though I'm on dial-up, I have a Wi-Fi network between my home and my office. My iTunes library is at home. Now, I can listen to iTunes by music sharing from my office, but it doesn't change the number of times I've listened to a single song or the last played date, so I listen to my iPod at work so to make sure to keep track of those things. Well, I'm really interested in being able to sync my iPod with my iTunes library from work, so I'd like an iPod attachment that can connect to another computer on the network and update my iPod wirelessly. The secret to avoiding most spam is getting your own domain name. Now, your own domain name, yourname.com or something like that, costs only about 6 to $8 a year. That's much cheaper than most spam filtering services. Now, not only do you not have to change it every time you change ISPs, since it'll always be whatever at yourname.com, talking about email addresses, but you can avoid much spam by changing your email at each site where you register and redirect it all to a catch-all address. So, for instance, if you go to lcmspastor.com and sign up there, you can put in lcmspastor at yourname.com and sign up that way. Then if you start getting spam at lcmspastor at yourname.com, then you know that I've sold your name to some spammers, which I wouldn't. But you can go to other websites and at each site use the name of the domain where you're registering as your username with your domain as the email address. Then, if you start to get spam at one particular address, you can either just block it, or you can redirect it to the person who sold your address. Next week on Lutheran Weekly, I have a guest lined up, but it's not set in stone yet, so I don't want to name names yet. So stay tuned, leave a review, pin the frapper map, and drop me a line. Well, that closes the book on another Lutheran Weekly. Remember that you can post comments on our forums at lcmspastor.com slash forum and ask questions of upcoming guests. Your questions will be read on the air during the interview. If you'd like to leave a voicemail to be aired on the show, you may call 206-339-7909 to leave a message. Thank you, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.